0: Welcome to the Marketers in Motion podcast, powered by the West Michigan chapter of the American Marketing Association. Marketing is our passion, and as a chapter, we hope to inspire dialogue, fuel creativity, and create a community for marketers everywhere. Let the inspiration and dialogue begin. We're online at amawestmichigan.org and active on social media, where you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The national hub for the American Marketing Association is ama.org where you can also find a chapter near you. The Marketers in Motion podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at amawestmichigan.org, where we encourage you not only to subscribe to our podcast, but review, ask questions, get involved, and engage with us. Hello,
1: we're your Marketers in Motion podcast hosts. I'm Josh Janoviak. I'm Kristen Noss. Today, we discuss how to best create brand and cause advocacy that creates win-win-win situations for both businesses and nonprofits alike. We'll review examples from well-known companies like REI, Furniture Row, and JBL while discussing best practices. We'll discuss how to view public and private partnerships in a new light and offer a new perspective on potential returns from these relationships, including return on investment, return on involvement, and return on impact. Before we get into all of the meat and the heavy conversation, we gotta thank our sponsors, River City Studios. They can help you record and produce awesome podcasts just like ours. Whoop, whoop. Also offer recording, mixing, mastering for TV, film, radio, podcasts, musicians. Check them out online, rivercitystudios.com. Also wanna thank our gold sponsors, MI Biz and VizCon Media, Silver Sponsors, PageWorks, Burdenbird Bird Studio, and Red 66 Marketing. And bronze sponsors OFA and Grand Valley State University Conference and Event Planning. Please support our sponsors because without them, we wouldn't be here today.
2: Yay, and now I get to introduce Bill McHendry. Now, Bill McHendry is founder and chief creative officer of Haven a creative hub and founder, board president of Do More Good. Bill's quest to help grow the impact of businesses and nonprofit organizations began in 1994 when he brought years of big agency and big brand experience to the table in co-founding Hannon McKendry, a nationally recognized advertising agency that had dedicated up to 50% of its efforts annually to working with... Nonprofits. Now, since then, he and his teams have created and implemented marketing campaigns and branding efforts for a diverse mix of regional, national, and international nonprofit and corporate clients, resulting in over 1,000 plus award winning programs. Wow, you even
1: got the little trumpet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Congratulations, Bill. Welcome to the Marketers in Motion podcast. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself and and what got you to where you are today.
3: Yeah, well, as described, I I, I started out in the big agency world. Um, I actually grew up here in West Michigan, moved to Colorado, Uh, ended up working. I went to school at the University of Denver and ended up working at an agency called BBDO, uh, which is actually based in New York, but they had a Colorado outpost. And uh, worked on things like American Express, Dodge, Taco Bell, uh, Kohler. Uh, I always say that we always tried to get a co-op program between Kohler and Taco Bell, uh, but
2: so um, what you're saying is you start out small.
1: <laughs> you start out small. <laughs> one would, one would lead right into another, right? Exactly, exactly. And that never worked out. No, it didn't work out. <laughs> okay, well, don't <laughs> don't let go just yet. I mean, right? Keep we may faith. get it yet. Yeah. Keep the faith.
4: Yeah.
3: Uh, but then you know so. Uh, had that big agency background, and then when I started an agency here in West Michigan with Jim Hainan, he had the same thing. He worked at Leo Burnett in Chicago and uh, worked on things like McDonald's and Gatorade and Disney. One of the things that we—so we, so we kind of hit—there's you know, a lot of people that hit halftime uh, in their career, and it usually happens in your 40s or 50s. It just happened to happen to us when we were in our early 30s, and we kind of looked at our careers and said, as successful as we've been— um, is the, are we happy with the success that we've had?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, <clears throat> so when we when we really looked at our success, we said, you know, uh, were we just made to sell credit cards and tacos and hamburgers, or were we created and were our gifts really made for something else as well? And so we we kind of looked at the world and we said uh, we've been really successful creating a nation of consumers uh, mm-hmm. instead of citizens. Um is there anything that we could do in our agency that would be a counterbalance to that um not giving up on the idea that businesses can be a force for good at all
4: mm-hmm.
3: uh but saying you know the nonprofit community or the faith-based community or the you know uh organizations of human kindness are they <clears throat> are they represented well in the media world, is their voice as strong and as powerful as Nike or McDonald's, for example? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we wondered whether we couldn't be an agency that could counterbalance that and say, let's give the gift of a voice, at least. Give the gift of uh, how to create awareness t- to nonprofit organizations and faith-based organizations. And then would they be able to attract more volunteers? Would they be able to attract more uh, revenue as a result? we suspected that they could. So when we started our agency, Haney McKendry in Grand Rapids in 1994, we set out to be an organization that would be able to train nonprofit organizations and work with nonprofit organizations to compete better for people's time and people's resources. Because ultimately, that's what a nonprofit organization really wants is they want your time or your money, ideally both, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Well, so does Nike and so does Woodland Mall, for example. Mm -hmm. And so how do we... How do we compete the way they compete? Well, they create awareness in the marketplace, you know, in the in the not in the for-profit world. So we need to do the same thing in the nonprofit world. Uh, so that was in 1994 when we started that. We built an agency where we had offices here in Grand Rapids, also in Colorado. Uh, I ended up selling uh, Hayden McHenry a number of years ago, uh, and starting an, um, a new agency over in Grand Haven. Kind of was able to hit the reset button. And part of the motivation of hitting the reset button was, we grew a big firm, uh, but we couldn't uh, we couldn't work with all nonprofits, right? Because we created a big firm, mm-hmm. and so as a result, mm-hmm. we could only work with maybe the top fifteen or ten percent of nonprofit organizations. And so, when I, did, when I had the opportunity to hit the reset button, I created an agency where I would have a small staff and a big network, bring people in on an as-needed basis, and uh, and then. Um, be able to work with a greater portion of the nonprofit community. I would say, uh, you know, at Haven, a creative hub where, where, where I am now, we can work with maybe the top 50 or 60% of nonprofits. How do I, how I achieve working with all nonprofits is I also started a nonprofit organization called do more good. And what do more good is, is we put on workshops and seminars uh, to, uh, uh, that give this knowledge to nonprofit organizations so they can implement it themselves. Uh, and so as a result, through Do More Good, through Haven and all the work that we're doing, I feel like we can we can actually hit the whole spectrum of nonprofit organizations uh, and, and help them really understand that communicating is essential to growing your organization.
2: So and, you have two sides, basically one side that gives the tools, I wouldn't say away, but um, gives the tools to the nonprofit. So if they have their own marketing unit. Yes. within their uh, their nonprofit they can utilize those tools via Haven if they don't have their own marketing unit then they can come to you sorry via Do More Good <laughs> repeat myself <laughs> so if if um it's a nonprofit they can work with Do More Good and get the tools so they can do it themselves and if they don't have a marketing department and they need your help they can go to Haven and
3: hire the agency absolutely okay so we're really providing that full spectrum of, of of services in order to help them. Because you, I, you look at uh, organizations, and I came up with the name Do More Good. I actually trademarked that in 1999. And uh, I, I did that as a result of, uh, in 1999, I was given an award by the American Advertising Federation as the person doing the best cause work in the country. Wow. So they invited yes. me to New York City
4: yeah,
3: congrats. and inducted me into the Advertising Hall of Achievement. And... Uh, and then I had to give a speech. And so I <laughs> gave a speech. And when I was done, there was a lot of people in, in the audience, including uh, the head of the American Advertising Federation, who said, have you ever thought about going out on the road and giving some of this practical advice to nonprofit organizations, just speaking? And I said, sure, I'd be glad to do that. And, uh, and so I've spoken at well over 200 places in, in front of 200 groups oh, wow. of executive directors and nonprofit leaders. And giving them my tips, uh, on being able to do that. What I learned very early on was you have to have a handle, uh, something sticky that makes people remember who you are.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, and so I, I was working on that, and I wrote down that nonprofit organizations already do good. What do I bring to the party? And what I bring to the party is the opportunity to create greater awareness, and uh, you know, and and then opportunity to create greater support as a result. And as a result, they can do more good than they had done previously. So to coin do more good and, and uh, off to the races with that.
1: Nice, Wow. So do you find it, it seems generational as far as the younger generation really resonating with nonprofits and organizations that have a why and a true meaning and a mission? Does that transcend into the other generations as well? Are we kind of evolving more towards that now that we are seeing more people making an emphasis on some sort of mission versus just being all corporation-y and making money?
3: So in a global consumer survey recently, consumers were asked that specific question. You know, do you prefer to do – do you prefer to work with or, or buy from organizations that do good? So businesses that do good, for example. The recent poll, regardless of age, says 87% of consumers want to work with businesses that do good.
2: Well, it makes sense.
3: Right. That's of all consumers, but as you start to look at those numbers and it gets younger and younger, it moves up to ninety-seven percent mm-hmm. under 40. Wow. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that so the so the desire to work with businesses just because of the good that they're doing, uh, is is stronger among younger audiences uh, or or that you know their their desire to do that however <clears throat> it uh it's something that transcends across all age groups which is really critical to think about especially younger consumers as they're coming along uh, under 40 is the next you know big wave of consumers mm-hmm. so if you're a business if you're not thinking about um kind of your your corporate responsibility to do good um you're just going to lose out, right? The same group of people was asked. So of, so, 87% of you say that you want to work with businesses that do good. But what percentage of, the, of your money or, and the business that you do with businesses are actually done with businesses that do good?
4: Mm.
3: And they said mm. 26%. Oh, wow. So there's a huge upside right now for businesses to jump in the game and let people know that they're not, that, they, that they're, they stand above something other than just making a profit, right? right? Definitely. And, and stand above just making good products. Um, you know, baby boomers were, you know, that's why Walmart exists and why Target exists is, you know, it's kind of about getting a great deal. Cheap. Mm-hmm. But younger consumers <laughs> are saying, younger consumers are, that's not, that's not enough. I want a great deal. I want a good product. I mean, those are kind of like two boxes that, are, yeah, duh, we want to check those boxes. Right. But the But the difference maker for us is... Uh, working with a business that that does something more than that, and for a business person to say, to look at that as an opportunity, not just to attract consumers, but also for a business person to look at themselves and say, "What's in my heart? What good do I want to do, right?" And so, is it be good to my uh, employees? Be good to my community? Make dramatic changes in in uh, on some issue? Um, you know, what is really my passion? What is really the purpose of my organization? You, and if you think that way, and if you really kind of mind things out, you will be rewarded uh, mm-hmm. by the consumer.
1: Now, in order to be educated consumers or citizens, aren't there publications or resources that rate companies on their? I'll just say, for lack of a better term, do-goodery. As far as <laughs> yeah, I think I, there's okay. a, there's a whole bunch of blogs
3: and websites and stuff like that. Do you that have any to,
1: recommendations? I I, mean, I I
3: don't, but you know, I okay. mean, there's there's there are there's a whole. He I mean, doesn't quick Google search, will find, we'll find a whole bunch of find everything. Cause I, yeah. I,
1: I thought I saw a book published at one point that had, but of course, I mean, that's constantly changing and, and, you know, uh, evolving. But again, with, like you say, with the convenience of, of Amazon and, and shipping and dropping at your door and, you know, one day it just, it begs that question. And I, I love to support companies that are being sustainable and are doing good things. And I will pay more for that as long as I know who those organizations are. So I I kind of always try to do a little extra research and not just pay the go with the place that has the absolute cheapest because, you know, what is the cost of those low prices?
2: And you just touched on it, Josh, with um, the fact of research. Research is one of the biggest things is because we now have a thousand dollar computers sitting in our hands. When we're out and we're shopping and we're doing things of that nature and we have access to computers and the Internet and everything else that most times a lot of people will do the research first, especially if it's a more higher value item, they'll take a look at the website of the actual company. They'll see exactly what they're about, their transparency level. I mean, take a look at Everlane and what they do with all of their all of their products. You you know exactly where it's coming from, how much it really actually costs them, what materials they're using. That level of transparency on top of what they're doing in the community is what is generally changing people's minds and pushing them off the fence. Okay, so this may be $10 more expensive than this other coat over here, but I know exactly where this one is coming from. I know exactly what they're doing with the money or at least what we perceive um, compared to the other company that basically has no information out there about themselves whatsoever. And a lot of times that will just, it'll be okay. It, it helps people rationalize being able to spend more because they know what they're getting, the quality and what they're doing.
3: Yeah, you look, You don't need to look any further than your grocery store and look at the growth of non GMO foods mm-hmm. and, you know, and uh, the whole organic section of your store I mean, I, I, I've been amazed. You know, my wife happens to really like to eat that way, right? And mm-hmm. has her whole life. But, you know, it used to be very difficult to find those products. And now it's not difficult at all. No, it's they about 25% of the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But it's even growing beyond the section. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, you can, I, I laughed the other day because I, I bought some Doritos that were organic and non-GMO. And I said, see, hon, I can actually eat
1: this stuff. Dude, really I, have, I, I don't think I've seen these. It's only, only one or marketing. two bags. Organic Doritos.
2: Everything is marketing because yeah. they probably always were organic and non-GMO. They just never even thought marketing to put it on way. the packaging. I mean, did you know that Girl Scout cookies, the Thin Mints, have always been vegan? Always. Really? And now they're finally actually talking to people what? about it. Yes. Come on. You're just yes! making stuff up. I am not making stuff up. I used to be a troop leader. So there. Uh,
1: wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah,
2: it's, it's all it is. Everything is marketing. And whether or not you put it on the box, whether or not you put it on the tag, if you put it on your website, etc., that level of transparency and realizing that there's a market out there that will be more apt to utilize your brand if they know what they're getting.
3: Well, that's a building on that. Is I always, when I give my seminars and stuff like that, I always talk about what is marketing, right? Mm-hmm. And you said everything is marketing. I agree with you on that. But marketing is not about information. So too many people have just thrown out, you know, they think they're marketing by just giving you a bunch of information. Right. The reality is marketing is about differentiation.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And so, you know, those. People that, are, those organizations that are waking up, even businesses are waking up and saying, well, we've always been be- vegan. Why haven't we been talking Why about that? Why are we that? telling people this? Right? Yep. You know, I even go back, to, like in our own town, Amway, for example, was a, way ahead of the curve on organics, right? The first laundry detergent they ever came out with, Rich DeVos, used to drink because in front of his presentations he would say really? he would say it's not only does it clean your clothes <laughs> clean it's or, it's it's organic it's so it's so organic it's safe to drink and he would actually drink it in front of a group of people you know nice. and it's like i look I look back at that and go, man imagine if they would have jumped on that a lot sooner I mean they would have been leading the pack you know because they were <laughs> way ahead of the curve they I think I think their makeup line and their vitamins and their toothpaste were also all organic and I mean they were actually way ahead of the curve and nobody knew yeah so they could have jumped on them.
1: And you did mention at the lunch that one of your favorite products was North Face. And I think you were even wearing a North Face shirt or hat. I don't yeah, remember which yeah. one. I always <laughs> some, usually have something on. So my question is, what built that brand loyalty with you and North Face? What is it about them that...
3: Well, I, you know, they're, uh, I, number one, they make great stuff. You know, they make great looking yep. stuff. I agree. Uh, you know, but, you know, like them in Patagonia, too, They're they're they've always been sensitive to the environment and always really smart about, you know, reinvesting, which... When you think about, you know, the other example I gave uh, at at the luncheon was about REI, you know, yeah. and uh, and really give it, they get on Black Friday they give their employees the the day off, which is you know in retail is like virtually suicide to give your you know to be closed on Black Friday, but you know they stand for what they believe in and they believe in the outdoors and enjoying the outdoors. So even on the most precious day in retail, they make a statement by saying, "We're going to send all of our employees." Outside and give give them Mm the day off. And so North Face, you know, has always stood for, you know, you know, giving back and and being
1: smart about the environment and investing, you know, in, in places that need to be invested. So let's talk about the win, win, win. Yeah. How can we do that with nonprofits and businesses? How can we get together to be better than the sum of the the parts?
3: Yeah. So, you know, it comes down to uh, the whole, how I describe it is businesses are always looking for a win-win. And Mm -hmm. they think a win-win is I win, you win, right? The beauty of of a business when they partner with a nonprofit organization is they can create that third win. Mm -hmm. You know, and that third win is the business wins. The nonprofit wins because they raise the money that they need to, but whatever it is they're trying to help, whether it's the outdoors or whether it's abused children, whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, homeless people, uh, whether it's hungry people, there's that third benefit, right? There's, the, there's that impact that, that happens when the two are, come together and they, and they make, they you know, it's gestalt, they become greater than just the two of them. They create a third win.
2: And I think one of the things that businesses have to realize though is when they look into doing this to begin with, they have to make sure that it's organic and authentic. They have to believe in the nonprofit that they're partnering with. They have to have a connection with the part with the nonprofit. Specifically because everybody these days, especially when they start doing their research, they can see right through the BS. They can they can cut it to the co- to the bone and say, "Okay, This doesn't make sense. Why are you actually partnering with these people? What's your connection? If you don't unravel the story and present the story to begin with, you're not really going to get the buy-in of your constituents. You have to make sure that you have a passion specifically for that nonprofit and actually link arms instead of, okay, well, yay, we just wrote a check and here's a picture of us with this nonprofit writing a check to them and done. That's not what it's all about. That's not how you actually get the three wins.
1: Don't just jump on on Given Tuesday and make a big deal of it. Thank you. Right? <laughs> Support in perpetuity. So, Bill, how, how do we do that? Or or maybe start with some examples maybe of some organizations that have been able to do that and how they've been able to to make a difference.
3: Yeah. Well, one example I gave was actually uh, Furniture Row, which uh, was a, a, a client of mine. And had 300 uh, retail stores across the country. They, at the time that uh, I was working with them, I found out that they were the uh, because they they made a lot of their own furniture and, they, and it was all wood furniture at the time uh and they were selling them in their own stores i found out that they were actually this country's largest uh user of wood wow right i mean they, i mean they were they were massive
2: that means a lot of forests yeah. a
3: lot of forests and uh you know this is 1999 when i when i'm working with them and i'm i'm like you know this is going to come back to bite you someday that uh, um that you're not um You're not being smart about this, right? You're just a user of wood. You're, you know, what are you doing on the other side of that, right?
2: Sustainability.
3: Exactly. And so um, we actually, I actually did some, they said, well, what do you suggest? I said, I think you, I think you should work with somebody who plants trees or does something, you know, for the environment. Mm -hmm. So we did our homework and we, and uh, we went to find a, a, a nonprofit organization that was involved in the environment, involved in tree planting uh, that would be a good partner for us. It was harder than you than you than you think because a lot of, for whatever reason, a lot of nonprofit organizations, especially at that time, were hostile to business. Yeah, right? skeptical, very skeptical. And so what we did is uh, we ended up finding a, a great partner in the National Arbor Day Foundation. Uh, they're, they're they're huge in terms of planting trees. Uh, we asked them if they if they were willing to partner together if we ran, if we ran a promotion, right? So w- what we would do is we would run a promotion in their stores and basically say. If you buy this chair or you buy this table, we plant a tree, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, and so as a result, we actually were able to increase traffic into our stores uh, because people were like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to buy a dining room table from somebody and it's going to be wood. I'm going to go with the responsible company or or at least give them a shot, right? Right. So so it came in and ended up generating great traffic for Furniture Row, this whole promotion. But at the same time, it created a great partnership with the National Arbor Day Foundation And uh, what happened was uh, we ended up planting a heck of a lot of trees. Do you have a number? (laughs) I do. There's got to be a number. There is. So as I say, so go back to our three wins, right? Mm -hmm. The win was uh, Furniture Row sales increased significantly, right? Uh, Win number two was, you know, uh, Arbor Day Foundation, you know, was getting significant money from Furniture Row as a result of this promotion. And as a result, they grew as a, as an organization, so much so they were so happy with it. They gave Furniture Row their most prestigious award, which was the Promise to the Earth Award.
0: Wow. Right,
3: and, and Furniture Row got it the same year as Toyota did for coming out with the Prius car. Nice. I mean, so, and Furniture Row is nowhere near the size brand that, that Toyota is, right? You know, so to be standing on the stage with Toyota yeah. and being honored in that way, right?
4: That's amazing. And so it was,
3: it was a great thing. Furniture Row was so impressed with the National Arbor Day Foundation that When they were building their new headquarters, they furnished the entire headquarters for them, right? But then the third win, you know, so Furniture Row wins. Uh, Obviously, you know, National Arbor Day Foundation wins, you know, because they got multiple donations from Furniture Row. Three million trees were planted. Wow. Right? And so the environment wins and sustainability wins, you know, as a result. And that partnership has continued, actually. I should probably check back with him and say, "Hey, what, you know, what
4: <laughs>
2: exactly? What, See what's what the life cycle on? is doing."
3: But but it was a partnership that made a lot of sense, you know. And and when you talk about you know the BS meter for people and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, I, yeah, I I agree. I think the younger you are, the, your BS meter has a has a has a I guess a, more of a hair trigger, right? Oh yeah, you know, and uh, you're, you're, because so you're,
2: they're the ones that are going to looking at you and going, "Oh, wait a minute, let me look this up," and then the phone comes out and then the research happens and. Well, it, sometimes it's not accurate because, of course, the interwebs, well, we, we don't know where they're going. Not everything is true out <laughs> there. Exactly. What? I know. I know. But I saw it on social media. I know. Yeah. But at the same time, they have everything. We now all have everything at our fingertips. Yeah. And verification is really quite easy to do. And so you just got to Well, the consumer sure... has moved
3: from being skeptical, which I, there's a healthy skepticism, mm-hmm. to cynical. Oh, to, yeah. It's like you know, my first reaction is always going to be, yeah.
1: And, and what are you getting out of it? There's right? a lot of mistrust. Yeah, a lot of mistrust.
2: It's just serious. Mm, prove it.
1: Right. You mentioned that. And I think a good example of of that, if you want to reiterate that during the launch, you had mentioned Starbucks and all the things that they were doing that you could see skeptically. Could you summarize that real quick and then also maybe touch on how, how do we avoid that skepticism or how do we silence that skepti- skepticism and, and make sure that we are coming across yeah. as authentic?
3: Yeah, so Starbucks, you know, I, and I, I look at it, much differently than the average person looks at it. I've, Starbucks has actually earned a great reputation with, the, with their customer, and their customer really loves who they are. And uh, you know, if, on, on various levels, I feel like you know, Starbucks treats them with respect. Starbucks you know, makes a great product. Mm-hmm. Starbucks creates a great environment. Uh, you know, they're not push trying to push people out of stores. They let you, you know, they welcome you into their stores, and you can use the internet for free for a really long time. And you know.
2: they're they're all about the customer experience. They are. I mean, it's one hundred percent. The moment that you walk in that door, it's all about the customer experience.
3: Totally. And so, so they're great marketers, right? Yep. Um, but they but they have a social responsibility report that I always I always point non nonprofit organizations to go look at it mm-hmm. because nonprofit organizations come out with an annual report you know, every year and they, and they tell people about their success. And I go, man, you should see Starbucks annual report on social responsibility. It would blow away any nonprofit organization's uh, report. And I said that, you know, the one that I looked at one year talked about the the things that they wanted to do. One was, you know, and I actually just saw this on the news the other day that Starbucks is repeating this as they want, they want more customers to come in with using reusable cups. Right. Makes sense. Right. And so that, you know, so the average person is going, yeah, so fewer paper cups, you know, get thrown in the garbage, right? Exactly. That, that makes sense, right?
2: I get a discount every single time I bring my own cup in.
3: Exactly.
1: Or you take your own bags to the grocery store.
4: Yeah, yep. so that too.
3: So that one makes sense, you know. Yep. Second uh, objective that they had was they wanted uh, Starbucks to use less electricity and less water. So they were going to, you know, put in measures so that to make sure that they were— you know whether it's changing the light bulbs to you know the new new type of light bulbs or putting in filters or something like that that are a lot more efficient on water and stuff like that. They um, that was that was another objective. And you know the average consumer and especially I think a young person is going. What's wrong with that? You know that that sounds good. Third one was they wanted more of their uh, stores to be built with lead certified materials, which is reusable materials or re- you know repurposed materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the fourth one is they wanted more of their employees. To give more community time, okay, right? So I, I look at that and I go, I, I, I'm a little. I guess I'm more cynical, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I and I go, well, well, I'm sure the average Starbucks person is going, see, I like them. Yeah, right? see, I'm on board with that. I'm, I'm like, on board. These are great that, things. Those are four oh, yeah. great things. I look at it and go, fewer cups going out the door, more profit, less water, electricity, more profit, right? Uh, Lead certified buildings, uh, they're cheaper to build. More profit using. <laughs> see, I think we have a Starbucks fan over here. No, La- it's, I'm I'm
2: I'm definitely a Starbucks fan. The, the yeah. lead building it's actually can be more expensive, but it's more it's more conscientious of the right. products that you're using, making sure that there's less of a carbon footprint, et cetera. But yep. that's just because. I'm beyond, But construction. beyond that,
3: though, it's like <laughs> employees going out wearing my T-shirt where I'm not paying them to do that is free advertising, right? Right, and so Starbucks has earned trust with their consumers. And so most people who go to Starbucks don't think that cynically, right? But I, I use I have a whole presentation uh with uh, nonprofit organizations have to be really, really mindful today because businesses are so getting so good at doing good that they can look like they're replacing a nonprofit organization. Like you going to Starbucks that day because of all the good that they do, you think I gave at the office. I, I can check that box that I did something good today. Um. But in reality, all you did was buy a cup of coffee for yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm going right? to
1: do a great thing by buying myself coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> and I, I use
3: Tom's <laughs> Shoes and Warby Parker Eyewear. As just, just, just be really, really careful as a consumer because while businesses are jumping in the game of doing good, uh, now there still is a reason why we need nonprofit organizations. They're pure and simple, only about the good that they want to do,
4: Mm
3: -hmm. right? And uh, I think it was Peter Drucker that said there's something that businesses can actually learn from nonprofit organizations and how they run themselves. And he said, nonprofits do not base their strategy on money. They focus on the performance of their mission. Mm. So the difference between what I just mentioned about Starbucks is, they, yeah, they want to do some good, but they're also, you know, there's some...
2: They're focused on their mission. They're (laughs) focused on
3: their mission, which is ultimately they're a for-profit organization. Right. And uh, and so I, so we just have to be careful, right? That, and there's there's this whole movement out there called B Corps, you know, where, where, where it's our four benefit corporations. I applaud all those things by busi- that businesses are trying to do to do good. And I applaud all consumers who want to support uh, businesses that are doing good. I think you'd have to be really mindful. Are they trying to replace a nonprofit organization? I would disagree with that. I would say, why don't they partner with a nonprofit organization to accomplish these things mm-hmm. because then that then you can say that you know that that nonprofit organization's mission is pure that they they are only trying to stamp out or help the things that they say that they're that they're trying to do or stamp out right and so it's I think it's just we have to be mindful of that um and 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 how businesses and nonprofit organizations work together i I want them to work together I want businesses to do good but I want them I want them to do good through a nonprofit organization versus trying to become a nonprofit, you know, Mm -hmm. look like a pseudo nonprofit and make people feel like, like, like with Tom's shoes, you know, it's like, what are those things? Like 60, 70 bucks. Right.
1: Something like that.
3: Yeah. I happen to know they probably cost about $2 and 50 cents to make
1: decent margins. Right. And so when my, my, like,
3: when my son bought a pair of Tom's shoes, you know, he was all proud of himself. Like he had done something really good that day. And I, I I don't want to steal your thunder. But number one, how much did you pay for those shoes? And he told me $70. And I'm looking at a pair of shoes that are just a terrible pair of shoes. (laughs) Right? And I'm going, yeah, I know what this stuff costs in Bangladesh and stuff like that, where they make this stuff. And I I bet you they don't even have $2.50 into those shoes. And then he says to me, but dad, another pair of shoes went to somebody in another country that needs shoes. I go, okay, so Tom has another $2.50 into this mix. He goes, yeah, but then somebody has a job. (laughs) <laughs> that makes those shoes. Yeah, and that person was paid about ten cents to make those <laughs> shoes. Right?
2: It's it's tough.
3: Yeah, and so I go. I, you I are I, a I, cynic. Holy. Yeah. God. Well, I'm just like I'm, I'm like I'm like I'm okay with Tom doing some good, but I don't want you, right, my to son, to think that you just did something where you actually donated. Right? You bought yourself a pair of shoes that you get to brag about. Uh, but then there's somebody in the world that's wearing a, another bad pair of shoes that could actually use a Good pair of shoes, like Nikes or something like that.
4: <laughs> As he's wearing a
2: Nike hat. Yeah, because
3: they because they, they walk everywhere, right? Yeah, sure. and you don't. You drive a car, so you could wear crappy shoes, you know. <laughs> but the bottom line is that I got, so so Tom has five dollars and ten cents into this thing, but you paid him seventy bucks. And I just asked my son, where did the difference go?
1: Tom's pocket.
3: Tom's pocket.
1: There you go. And so overhead.
3: So I wish Tom were actually really partnering with a nonprofit organization that was, you know, helping people with jobs, for example. And, they re- and that, that was their pure mission to do that and to provide people with shoes and transportation that, that actually need it, you know, that, that's relevant to their community. You know, and maybe by Tom, you know, maybe giving 10 or 15 bucks <laughs> to an organization like that, maybe even more good could be done.
2: Or, right. you know what? We don't know what we don't know. We don't know. Maybe he needs to just be a little bit more transparent as Maybe. to where the money is going and what it's used for. I mean, if it's just for overhead because you guys have got a lot of brains in there and a lot of people and it's really awesome and whatever, that's that's cool. But actually report it. Tell. Tell,
3: and Tell the story. May, And they may. And you know, I may be picking on Tom totally unfairly, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, we as uh, as as people who want to do good... And we want to do work and we want to buy products from, from businesses that are doing good. Let's just let's make sure we force them to really do the most good that they can possibly do.
2: I completely agree and understand. And on also another note, when a business actually partners up with a nonprofit, I would prefer that they actually partner with a nonprofit instead of pitting them against one another. So don't tell me that you've got $10,000 out there to be able to give away, but then it becomes a popularity contest of how many votes can you get? How many shares can you get of our page? How many likes can you get of this business that is basically baiting everyone to be part of what is actually just a popularity contest? And then you have the larger brands, the larger nonprofits that have more followers, yet You have these smaller nonprofits that are just as good and just as worthy, and they don't have a chance. They do not have a chance because you have businesses out there that are not out for the nonprofit. They're just out to up their Facebook likes and up their views and up their brand and make it look like they're trying to do good in the community when all they're doing is raising infighting.
1: Posers. (laughs) So Bill, let's talk about that. How do we have nonprofits that are about their mission and about doing good, more good, Mm -hmm. and we've got businesses, which of course are focused on the bottom line. So how do we naturally authentically pair these up? If I'm a nonprofit, what, what kinds of things am I looking for? How do I start the process of vetting for a great organization, a business to pair with, and, or if you're a business looking for a great nonprofit, how might that look?
3: Yeah, I, I kind of have some best practices, you know, okay. in terms of, and I think it, uh, so every one of these best practices, I think each side needs to be looking at. So uh, the first one is, you know, pick carefully, right? I think a business needs to pick carefully the nonprofit organization that they partner with and make sure that, you know, it's something that, you know, matches their passion, matches their their purpose, uh, makes sense with their business, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and, uh, and so, you know, that. That That's really strong. And and I, I, I encourage businesses, don't just choose a nonprofit organization to get press. Right. right. You know, this is not about a press release. This is about really helping because this is something that you really want to do as an organization. I would also encourage a nonprofit organization to pick very carefully. Make sure that the business partner, even if they have a ton of money, uh, and are throwing a lot of promises your way, you have to make sure that they're not going to do damage to your brand.
2: Right. Do you well. want to be associated with their brand? Do yep. you basically just want to link arms and walk down the road and say, yep, we're a part of this company as well, and they're a part of us, and it's a happy marriage when maybe you don't know exactly what their business practices are. Right. Maybe you're you don't know where their or- manufacturing is. Yeah,
3: you're an environmental organization, and here they're one of the, They're a big polluter. You know? mm-hmm. And that's going to come back to bite you that mm-hmm. you just took money from anybody because uh, because they gave it to you versus, and you gave them some credibility they didn't deserve. Yep. Right? And so both sides of that equation have to pick carefully. Mm-hmm. The, the next one is, you know, choose relevance, right? And that's where, you know, uh, not only does it match your your, your your passion and your purpose, but I, I always think it's like, like the example that I gave with Furniture Row. They're a big user of wood. It makes sense that you partner with somebody that's uh, kind of counterbalancing that. Right. You know, so um, you know, whatever, whatever it is that your brand is all about, uh, it's smart to kind of uh, work with a nonprofit organization that kind of aligns with that Mm -hmm. and helps you advance that. You know, I always say, you know, Kool-Aid advanced, you know, working with uh, a nutritional organization, <laughs> maybe is it the, you know. Not the smart, best. Not the best, right? Maybe they should just build, you know.
1: There's organic Kool-Aid, the, uh, is Playground
3: there? equipment or nice. something like that. Free range. Know? Without red
2: number or whatever the heck number it is. <laughs> yeah.
1: Don't they use like little crushed up beetles to make red? Yeah. It's
3: organic.
4: <laughs> oh, my god, It's
3: interesting. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be directly related to your business. Like I always thought Dave Thomas, you know, who, who used to own Wendy's, right? right. He turned out, uh, he was adopted. And so that's one of the reasons why you've seen so much uh, from Wendy's on the issue of adoption. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, right? And so when you know that he was once an orphan and he was adopted and he was very thankful for for being adopted and for being in the family that he was raised in, what's beautiful about that is, you know, that was that's his true heart, right? right? And mm-hmm. that's his true story. So it makes it... Yeah, sometimes that's just that's a that's good enough. That's a great partnership oh, yeah. right there. All find right?
2: that find the organic connection whether it is within your leadership, yourself or your employees. I mean, that's that is one of the easiest ways to start is just look within your own company as to what your people support, what they're going through. Maybe you have a cancer survivor who was helped out by the American Cancer Society. Maybe you have someone who um, ended up with a, a lung transplant or something. So you want to deal, you want to be able to help out the, um, oh Lord. um lung gift, Association? And, well, it's, uh, I think it's called Gift of Life Association. Mm-hmm. Um, and who who do all of the uh, donation, of the organ donation. So it just, it all depends on where the connection is and make sure that there actually is a connection.
3: Exactly. So it has to be relevant in some way, whether it's to your business, whether it's to your heart, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. Doug Meyer recently uh, gave to Michigan State University uh, to really advance this research on cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he himself received a treatment from, from oh, one yeah. of the doctors that is behind this research. It uh, changed his life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what I loved about, uh, you know, Meyer gives a lot of money to a lot of different things, you know, and different than like Meyer Gardens, where you go, yeah, Meyer Gardens, that seems like a nice thing, right? When he said he was giving to this organization because he, his own life was saved by this. And he basically says, I want more people to have this.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: That's a whole different level of commitment mm-hmm. when you, when you go, wow, that, you know, I like my regards and everything. And, you know, it's certainly a beautiful facility and I got a lot of good things for it. But I'm going to tell you when I, heard, when I read the story about him giving here, it was like, man, that really hits your heart. Yeah. You know, and so so that that level of relevance. And I think I think on, a, on the nonprofit side, you know, it's like ask those tough questions. Why do you why do you want to partner with this? Why do you want to give to us? What does this mean to you? What does this mean to you and your organization? You know, don't just take any business that wants to come in and support you. You should actually go instead. I always tell nonprofits you should be going out and recruiting the businesses that you think are relevant to you mm-hmm. rather than waiting for them to come to you. You should be going out and looking for those partnerships that make sense. And sell yourself on those businesses or those business leaders of why it does make sense.
4: Oh,
1: chances so- are,
3: chances are there already
1: a, a a a supporter anyway. Yeah, well, that's like Kristen said. It's a marriage, so you're out there courting, and you wouldn't just jump into a marriage right away.
2: Nope, without knowing exactly, or at least of, unless it's an arranged marriage. But we won't go there. There's always
1: <laughs> examples. There's exceptions, but uh, yeah. Well, the third the
3: third thing though is is I think both sides need to. Think big and say, you know, and and have the greatest hope going into this possible, right? And say, let's not just start a campaign. Let's not not start a little thing that we're going to do for a year or a quarter or whatever. Let's start a movement. You know, mm-hmm. let's be so committed to it going in and thinking strategically that uh, we're going to make a lot of people care about this. There's there's no way you can make everybody care about something. Mm-hmm. You just can't. I mean, people have too many diverse interests and. Too many uh, diverse passions and stuff like that, but there's certainly a lot of people, usually a lot more people who should care about something than do, and, and mm-hmm. so uh, start a movement with those people, and then and so and the last thing is you know stay involved. I can't stand it when uh, when when somebody just says, "Well, we're going to do this this quarter, we're going to do this this next quarter," especially on the business side. I I, I try to counsel my clients on the business side it's like. Nonprofit organizations have a hard time raising money. They have a hard time finding businesses that want to partner with them. You know, just, can you please just stay involved with them and say, this is a, you know, this is going to be an annual thing that I'm going to do with you. And, you know, if after two or three years, it's not working, you know, discuss a phase out plan or something like that, but be, be responsible and say, you know, this is something that we want to, we want to start a movement, but we want to stay involved. This isn't just a campaign. This is just something fun we're going to do because what that nonprofit is doing is not doing this for fun. They're doing this to make a difference. Right. right.
2: If you're going to build the relationship, build the relationship and the partnership, don't just hand over a check. If you just want to hand over a check, that's fine too. I mean, there are a bunch of businesses out there that that's all they can do because they don't have the bandwidth. They don't have the manpower. Perfectly fine. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm just saying that if you're going to actually go down the road of building a partnership, vetting a um whether it be vetting a nonprofit or a nonprofit is vetting the business that they want to be involved in actually do do more good by doing the effort and putting forth the effort to begin with to be able to build the relationship that's going to last a, a lifetime or at least a few years instead of just
3: handing over the money exactly and that's where that's where you get to that ROI of the third kind and this is a you know, this is a you know, that was my presentation. That's what what this is about. Yeah, let's get this is the juicy <laughs> stuff. We're we're just getting yeah. to it. So tell
1: us about this.
3: Yeah, so ROI of the third kind is just like I talked about the win win win. Mm-hmm. You know, there is actually f- three types of return when you think about uh, partnering with a nonprofit organization. And I I I tell this to businesses so they understand what they should be looking for when they partner with a nonprofit. But I also give this as ammunition to a nonprofit organization to just say walk into a business and tell them we know everything that you do in business is about win win we're here to talk about a win 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 are you interested you know in in that mm-hmm. right and and so the whole idea of of saying to a business person and talking the language of business and saying right off the bat w- we have an ROI times 3 here mm-hmm. not just 2 it's not just a win win situation who would say no to that yeah a business a, a business person's going okay, I, I want to at least hear it. I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. You got yeah. my attention. Yeah, you
3: got me You got me at ROI of three. I got it. All right, you know. And so the first one is obviously a return on investment, right? That business should be able to, you know, for their investment into a nonprofit organization, they should expect a return. Right. Yeah? They, they should... should
2: be able to capitalize on it. Exactly.
3: You know, they, their customers feel better about them. You know, they get more business. They get more traffic. Whatever it is, you know, there should be some kind of return for them uh, on that investment and that association, same thing for the for the nonprofit organization. I mean that ROI in in terms of you know that they should be able to leverage a business's investment, not only for their own good but to get more businesses involved. Say, hey, did you see what this company did when they partnered with us? It turned out to be a great thing. Maybe you should think about doing this as well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the third one is uh, return on involvement. The beautiful thing is, is, a, is a business has, you know, have many communities that they're serving. They ha- not only have a customer community, they have an employee community, right? They have a vendor community. Mm-hmm. They have a community that they that, that they do business in. They ha- they have an opportunity when they do something to get multiple communities engaged in what they're doing, right? And so they can get, you know, minimally, they should be able to get their employees involved in doing something, right, mm-hmm. when, when when they get involved. But imagine, you know, if they can get the customers involved in doing something, imagine if they can get – you know, people who don't even aren't even customers and just people in a greater community or their vendors, for example, also engaged in this good that they're trying to do. Right. I've had clients quite so that have called me up and said, you know, we're we're raising money to, to do this. You know, will you in, will you engage with us? You know, just as as an ad agency working with them. It's like, you know, the expectation put on me by a client to say, will you help me do good? I'm pretty, you know,
4: Mm -hmm. pretty motivated to help them.
3: Right. Right. You know, nothing wrong with that. Right. And and I don't feel bad about it. It's like I actually, you know, I gave them money or I gave them something that they helped them do more good. And I felt like I partnered with them and I felt like we had a closer relationship as a result. Right.
4: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, And so that but, you know, I always encourage nonprofit organizations to say, don't forget about the engagement part. Don't just take their money. Get them involved. Get that business involved and you'll be surprised. It's like uh, Habitat for Humanity You know, has a whole strategy when they're working with politicians and business leaders and celebrities They actually tell them, don't give us your money. Come and swing the hammer.
2: We want your time. We want, we want, time. We want the visibility for right. you to be involved because that way we can take that even further exactly. sometimes than just a check.
3: Exactly. I mean, Jimmy Carter, for example, out there swinging a hammer gets a lot of people fired up about hey, maybe I should get involved in this, mm-hmm. you know, and swing a hammer. So they have an engagement strategy that they that they know has an ROI <laughs> to it. So make sure as a nonprofit organization that you, you ask your business partner to get engaged somehow beyond just a financial engagement with you.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And then the third one is, you know, that return on impact. Make sure everybody is celebrating the final result, right? Mm-hmm. So not only does a nonprofit get more money or more support, not only does a business, you know, Get some notoriety for partnering with that nonprofit. Make sure you look at who has helped and what has helped. And then make sure that you let people know what the measurables are
4: mm-hmm.
3: of of what you just did together. And and celebrate that. And don't forget to celebrate that. Because if you don't, you're missing a great opportunity to really, number one, to educate people right. on on what was done. you and and number two, it's like, well, it's great that you partner with that organization, but what happened mm. don't miss that opportunity especially with you know as a business with your employees to be able to say we partnered with you know, charity x and because of what we did together awesome things happened right i remember we as an agency Mel Trotter ministries was a was an early client of ours and but we also gave them a lot of our time and uh, resources as well it was it wasn't they weren't just a client we we over invested as mm-hmm. an agency and our employees knew that we overinvested as an agency and one of the dreams at that time they were it was this was 1994 and they were much Beltrod was much different than they are today they were Definitely. struggling right they had a very weak board you know uh they could only serve men right so the vision that was cast was they wanted to build a world class women and children center because there was a growing need with family and women and uh, and so you know a few years later because of what we were able to do with them they built this thing. And I remember it was, uh, it was uh, two days before Christmas, and uh, Reverend Lehman, who was the uh, executive director at the time, he invited, us, oh, he invited my staff over and gave us a tour of the facility. And I, I'll, I'll never forget that day because when he walked us around the facility, even though all we are is marketing people, right, you know, mm-hmm. and we'd help drum up support and, and, uh, and awareness, as he introduced us to all the people in that building, he said these people are from Hain and McKendry. they helped us build this facility i got to tell you about the third time that he said that my host, my i can't believe how many members of my staff were in tears it's like we helped build this thing we didn't mm-hmm. just create a bunch of awareness what we did helped us build this facility and we felt completely different about what we just did and so that en- so that engagement but also celebrating that success you know and really understanding the impact uh, of our work um can't miss that opportunity. Definitely. Yeah,
1: that's powerful. Powerful stuff. And we always say in marketing, I mean it's it is a marathon, it's not a sprint and you really exactly. need to plan for the long term and a lot of this takes a lot of time to unfold. And I mean you can do little things here and there that move the needle, but you know, for for big returns it really needs to be a long-term plan. And I yeah. think I think to your point too, it it would be good, you know, when you start these partnerships what is success you know what 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 are, what are our goals what are some benchmarks what are some things that we can we can look for just you know know going into it this is what our definition of success for this is whether it's exposure whether it's a certain numbers whether it's engagements i mean again we don't want to just look at vanity metrics and um you know those sorts of things but but again i guess just being on the same page knowing where we're going together
4: mhm
1: exactly and I think one of the examples that we mentioned earlier in the conversation was REI's opt-out side. Now that's been going. Does anybody recall like two or three years? Five years. Five, five years. five yeah. years. Okay. Yeah. And what have they? They've got to have. I imagine some pretty uh, staggering su- success with that.
3: Oh, it's it's amazing. You know, uh, you know. Number one, the CEO said that in the time that they've done it, he's seen two hundred retailers go out of business. Wow. In the last five years, so it shows you the power, the drawing power of of of, of, of being perceived as a good organization now this is kind of a unique situation where not they're not directly partnering with a specific nonprofit organization but they directly partner with a lot of nonprofit organizations you know about the outdoors right and enjoying the outdoors and you know national parks and and and, uh, and environmental organizations as well so when REI becomes successful you know all those organizations benefit as yeah. a result and so you know, this is really almost kind of a publicity stunt uh, for all for all practical purposes, but it brings a lot of attention to them as a company and right. their passion for the outdoors, right? And so when they when they close on Black Friday, uh, some stats uh, of of what that has generated for them six point seven billion with a B uh, media impressions.
1: Wow, that's a lot. Yep,
3: one point two billion with a b social <laughs> media impressions 1.4 million customers sending in pictures of what they did on black friday that's awesome nice right and yeah. a lot of you know a lot of trails and a lot of you know uh, uh, mountain scenes and stuff like that but it was all about people enjoying just you know nature and beauty and and it just re- also you know it creates that uh we got to protect this stuff you right. know right? this is this is beautiful we got to protect our time uh, to to do this stuff, but on top of it, we ha- we have to do more to protect uh, the environment.
2: And if you go one step further with that one, think of all the exposure that national parks received
3: mm-hmm.
4: in
2: all of those pictures, yeah. because of well the mountains, the streams, the lakes, the forests, everything that was in the background as they're as they're going outside. So it, you you got to. Put a fourth win on there. <laughs> Technically,
1: yeah. well, not just great the nat- PR for everybody. Exactly. <laughs> not just the national parks, because I remember we actually hiked um, the Paul Henry Trail just down near Caledonia. Nice. And uh, I did my little opt-out side. I think I posted it. Sometimes I try. I take pictures to post things, but for not wanting to get you know out of the moment and be dug in my phone, I'll take a picture and then I'll forget mm-hmm. to post it. But I did take a picture, whether I actually posted it or not, or. Opt outside, <laughs> and I know I know a big part of their campaign this year too was uh, because I am an REI member was to also get out and do good, go out and, and get involved in a community organization or do a cleanup or pick up some trash. If you're outside hiking, pick something up and throw it away. So it's yeah, awesome. do
2: something other than being a consumer.
1: Yeah, right. yeah, and you can't forget too. REI is a retailer, so their store is
3: filled with a lot of companies that also do good too. Right. So more of those like products North Face. are sold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Patagonia exactly <laughs> there you go uh, any more we want to plug in this Yeah. Any, 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 anything else here any <laughs> swag
1: <laughs> all right Bill well we do want to wrap up with a few questions that I think will be pretty sure. easy for you just based off of the uh, conversation we have we like to call this segment ending with why it's a little play on Simon Sinek starting with why okay. and uh, not just being about what you do or how you do it but why you do it so question number one for you is what is your why it's very
3: easy do more good <laughs> all right see I, like I told it. you it was going to be easy okay
2: <laughs> okay so So uh, another lob, another softball. Who or what inspires you?
3: Yeah, you know... I'm a I'm a Christian number one. Okay. And so I lay lay that out. Jesus is obviously number one for me, but kind of like number two, three, four, right? <laughs>
4: so there you be, go.
3: Behind Jesus' Mother Teresa, I actually had an opportunity to film Mother Teresa and it made a big impact wow. on, on, on me and yeah. Really thinking about uh, all that she had done in you know, in her life and feeding people and working so hard that she did in Calcutta. And uh it just it was uh it was an impactful moment for me. Um and I'm not even Catholic, so it's like mm-hmm. uh, you know. So I was very, I was very moved by her. One story I always tell is when we were filming her, uh, she we, we filmed her in a convent in Washington D.C. And she when she walked into the room, I was the person that opened the door to uh, have her come in the room. And I didn't want to stare at her as a celebrity, right? I didn't want to treat her like that. Mm-hmm. Right? So I chose just to gaze down. So I did not stare at her as she walked in, and I. So I'm looking down, and so the very first thing I ever saw of Mother Teresa were her feet. And her feet were in um, in open sandals, right, mm-hmm. like flip-flops. And uh, number one, I'm not sure I've ever seen an uglier pair of feet, ah! right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but at the
3: same time, it was the most beautiful pair of feet I've ever seen because you looked at those feet and you go, those feet have fed a lot of people. Yes. Yeah feet have walked a lot of places that you and I wouldn't walk, you know, especially on our bare feet. Mm-hmm. And for, you know, 45 years at that point, working in Calcutta to feed the hungry, to feed the homeless, those were the feet of somebody that really wanted to do more good. And it really, I, whenever I think about how, am, am I working hard enough to do more good? I actually I think of those feet and go not even close, not even close. Nice. Right? Uh, Peter Drucker on a business side. I mean, you know, he, he has just so many great things. And, and, and I use a lot of his quotes in, in a lot of what, what, I, what I do. Uh, you know, when he, when, and one of the quotes that, uh, you know, that I use quite often is, you know, in the business world, he was famous for writing the quote, a business has one and only one purpose, and that is to create a customer. But then he modified that quote later and said, a nonprofit organization has only one and one purpose, and that is to create a supporter you can't create a supporter you can you don't have a sustainable cause great right? right and so you have so that's where marketing now becomes hyper important because it's the only thing that a business or an organization has as a tool to create revenue mm-hmm. who so, is going
2: to care about what you do whether exactly. it's a business or a nonprofit it's just who is not your target but who is going to care
3: right and then I you know there's all kinds of advertising and marketing people you know Alex Bogeski from Chris gunn Porter and Bogeski you know has always inspired me from a creative standpoint I, I just I love the way um, um, creative people think you know even for consumer products right and and uh and uh what they you know all they go through to sell uh, a hamburger and then you say <laughs> you know what man imagine if that energy and that thought was actually you know, put to doing more good, and um, I actually reached out to Alex a uh, Total lark. We don't know each other or anything. And mm-hmm. you know, he won Creative Director of the Decade, according to Ad Age magazine, two times. Right. Wow. I mean, this is a this guy's about as big in our business as it possibly gets. And I reached out to him and I said, "Will you speak at the Do More Good conference?" And he he actually revealed to me he had such a bad case of, of anxiety that he's given up public speaking.
0: Really? Wow.
3: Right. But then he says to me he says do more good. He says is there a more perfect phrase than that? You know, he goes <laughs> that is like so good. And I go, "All right, so when you start public speaking again, will you speak at the do more good conference?" <laughs> and he and he said, "You'll be the first place I speak." Awesome. Nice. So I go, "Good cuz I don't have a Keynote speaker two years from now, so you got two years to get over your anxiety. There you go. It right. out. Go see a
2: therapist. <laughs> yeah, get better. Great. Yeah.
3: Or, but anyway, meditation is always. But, know, so there's there's a lot of a lot of people who inspire me.
1: Okay, what about uh, a favorite book, personal or business?
3: Ah uh, man, I have a, I have a lot of those. Uh, All right, yeah. okay. <laughs> rattle them off.
4: He's going for the list. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: he's pulling out like a whole booklet here.
3: Well, you know, there, there's a there's a book uh, called uh, uh, "Firms of Endearment." Uh, which I which I talked about when I when I when I spoke, I, I would encourage everybody to read that book because it really talks about it's really it's really the book that has started the conscious capitalism movement. It's the book that really is behind the B Corp movement. It's when a uh, this professor actually took all the all the businesses that were in good to great. The if you remember that book, good Yep-hmm. to great, and he wondered. He said that there seemed to be a new trend, and he he did. He wrote this quite a while ago. He said there'd be a new trend of businesses that that do good and seem to have a better relationship with their consumer. And he wondered if doing good was actually good for business. And so he created part organizations that lined up with the good for great uh, good to great businesses. and said, does this business that's also doing good, not just operationally excellent do, do they do more in terms of, are they more successful? He followed, he, he tracked these companies for 10 years and found out that the, the companies that do good did 125 percent better financially. Wow, than that's the good, awesome. good to great companies, right? Okay, there we go. So, what he did is for the first time, because I, you know, I used to sell to my clients all the time. You should, you should do these things, right? And you should do it out of the goodness of your heart and stuff like that. But so, yeah, a lot of business people go, eh, "Does it really do anything for the bottom line?" That book right there made the solid case for these are not soft measures. This is no. the way things are going.
4: No, right? because
2: I, I personally think that doing more good on a business level is a reflection of your culture. Yeah. It's and it comes from the top down. It's not just the the lowest person who's I shouldn't say lowest person, the the person who's cleaning the toilets to the person who is deciding the budget for a marketing plan, the person who is taking care of the finances or leading the company in technology. It's it's everybody's job within a company to be able to be a part of the culture. And if a part of the culture is doing more good and supporting local nonprofits, it, it comes out everywhere.
3: Absolutely. Give people the, love supporting you. People love working for you. Give me the name of that book one more time, please. Uh, Firms of Endearment. Endearment. Okay.
1: Yeah. We'll put that in the show notes.
3: A couple of, a couple of you know, I, I actually have a very funny presentation that I give. It's five books that totally changed my perspective that I never read.
1: All right. We got one. <laughs> oh, that you've never no, read? I
3: actually read that one. Oh, okay. I, I okay. read a lot of books, but these are, these are five books that I, I never read. Okay. I, uh, I won't go through all five. I'll give you my uh, two, two really powerful ones. One, one is uh, differentiate or die differentiate. by Jack Trout. Oh,
1: I've never heard of
3: that one. And, uh, that makes I, sense. The reason I never had to read it is the title kind of says it all. There's, there's certain books like that where it's like I started getting into it. And I go, you know, I'm like two chapters into it. and I'm like, Okay, I get this book. I got the point. Got the point. Differentiator die, mm-hmm. right? You know, and that, you know, that, that you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of sentiment out there on that idea, but the strongest sentiment really is uh, uh Sally Hogshead an author who said different is better than better. Nice.
4: Different is better than better. Yeah.
3: And that is if you really look at the market leaders in the in the, in the world and even the consumer category it's those organizations that can really find their point of difference and just harp on it right there's a there's a there's a um, consulting firm in chicago that works with all the retailers and all the retail products out there and uh, they and they they work with walmart and target they work with you know pizza hut and you know dominos you know they could do that because they actually force every one of their clients to come up with one est that they can own Everybody goes well. What's an EST? Any word that ends with EST.
1: An EST.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: The biggest, the fastest, the cheapest, you know, the coolest, right? And so they can work with Target and they can work with Walmart, right? And Walmart's EST is they're the lowest, the lowest priced, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they just own that one. Target in their category is the coolest, right? They told me a story one time working with that with that with that firm. They said. Target takes being different from Walmart so seriously that one of the questions that they actually asked themselves to find out was what floor cleaner does Walmart use?
2: <laughs> wow.
3: Right down to the detail. And they said, because we don't want to smell anything like Walmart.
2: I, I get it. Right. And that's, that's, that's such an amazing concept because if you just look at that one word – or possibly that phrase, and you focus on that, and then you take the entire campaign and wrap it around that. There's no way in God's green earth there's going to be a crossover.
3: No, that's why this firm can work with those guys. That's cool. And competitors because they force them. They say, you know, if Target came in and said we want to own the list, they say, sorry, nope. Walmart already has it. So mm-hmm. you're going to have to find another one. Figure it right? out, right? But I just I love the detail of that because when I say that to nonprofit organizations, I said, do you do you think that? much about your brand that you wonder what floor cleaner you use and you wonder what your
1: competitor uses customer
2: experience yeah it's about Seriously. A customer
1: experience We, we have a great podcast, podcast 10 with Stan Phelps, where we, where we talk about customer experience and differentiation. And he had a term that he called flossom and it was flaunting your flaws and and using your flaw (laughs) as your differentiator. So saying what makes you so unique and so different. And even if sometimes that's seen as a negative thing, you can really harness that as like your, 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 your ist, your, your Ness, your Kristen (laughs) Ness. Oh, nice. Your illness,
3: <laughs> right, right. So the other one, I'll just end on this one, is because it is it is the my favorite title of a book of any book. <laughs> and this is one you have or haven't read. I have not read this. Okay, one. <laughs> have not read it. But but it's like the title. Him. Yeah, every every time people, it's the the secret behind all these books, it's it's either the title says it all, or the story that the person tells me when they're handing me the book really says it all. Okay, right. And so this this book is actually about a failed movie studio in England, and uh, um, and then uh, the movie studio actually uh, is called Goldcrest Films.
1: Goldcrest Films.
3: Yep, that's not the name of the book. Well, I'll tell you the name of the book here in a moment. They actually created the movie Chariots of Fire, Gandhi. And Killing Fields were among some of their movies.
2: Wow, because those are heavy hitters. Those
3: are heavy hitters. The <laughs> company, in its short lifetime, racked up an unprecedented nineteen Oscars, including Best Picture, two years in a row. Uh, but they went out of business in a very, very short period of time. Um, and uh, part of the reason they went out of business is that they were going too many directions at once. They uh-huh. they were not focused on what they wanted to do. They were just We'll just create this. We'll just create this. We'll just create this. Right? So they were going to too many. They didn't have a focus and a strategy mm-hmm. uh, that they were working from. And uh, uh, they didn't understand that they were in – they thought they were uh, – they, they thought they were in the artful pursuit of filmmaking business, not the attract people to a movie mm-hmm. business.
2: <laughs> ah. All right? It's a
3: different so they concept. Would, so they would make all these great films but they would really fall flat on the marketing of these films and none of these films made any money. Right. Okay. And so, but, uh, so, but the name of the book is my indecision is final. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... (laughs) And what I love about that is basically it says, you know, if you can't make a decision, if you can't execute on, on your ideas, it doesn't really matter what it is that you want to do. Right. You can you can go in a you'll you'll end up being unfocused. You'll go in a whole bunch of different directions, Mm
4: -hmm.
3: and uh, and nobody really makes a decision, and nobody really goes in in a a direction that you need to go. And as a result, you just fail. You fail to execute. Nothing gets done. You fail to understand what you do. Nothing gets done.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's great advice.
2: Okay, now if you could boil what you've learned in your career just down to one piece of advice for others, I have a small feeling I know what it's yeah. going to be. But what would it be?
3: <laughs> I end every presentation that I give with this one point. I always tell people, I'll tell you a lot of things, and I'll, I, you know, I'll, I'll make you. I can talk forever on on this on this topic. However, if you're only going to remember one thing and one thing only about being successful in marketing and being successful in marketing and getting the support that you need to advance your business or your organization, just understand this one. Idea frequency
1: wins. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say do more good. I the, thought that no. was going to be here. another.
2: I thought I, I was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> frequency
1: wins. All right, right. through us wins.
2: for a loop. Frequency on
3: wins because uh, it's. I ask people all the time. I go, I just want you to think. Is Walmart the best store you've ever been into? No. No. Okay. McDonald's best food you ever ate? No. Nope. I don't know. Sure. Not sure if you guys drink beer, but Budweiser best beer you ever had? Nope. No. No. Okay. But I'll drink it if
1: there's nothing else. Wait. Right. Really? Yeah.
2: We're both craft
1: beer but, drinkers. <laughs> yeah, we are. But if there's nothing else, I'll drink it.
3: But every one of those is, they sell the most beer. Right. They sell the most food. They are by far the biggest retailer in the world. Whenever you don't, if you ever get a chance to meet a, a Walmart buyer, don't ever bring up the word Target.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> if you bring up the word Target, they're going to say one of two things to you. And they're like fully trained to say these things to you. Number one, the Walmart buyer will tell you, tell you, you understand, by Mother's Day we do more business than Target does the rest of the year.
2: <laughs> wow. Right? Is that true?
3: That is true. Oh. And number two, they they'll all, or they'll tell you, we do more in grocery business than Target does as a, an entire company. Wow. Right? So that just that part of our I store. I that. Right? I'd still rather go to Target. So it's just, it just, you know, it shows you the scale of these organizations, yeah. right? Yeah. But every one of these organizations w- understands one thing, and that is frequency wins. Wow.
2: hmm And so... Understood.
3: You just got
1: to keep swinging a bat.
2: Yeah,
3: that is that is awesome, Bill. Thank you so
1: much, Bill McKendry. Um If people want to get a hold of you, where can they find you? How can they get a hold of you?
3: Uh, you, uh, you could get a hold of me at uh, at Haven. You know, my uh, my web uh, my email address is b.mckendry at havenforcreative So f o r for the four. So b.mckendry at havenforcreative
1: Okay. Are you on any other social media? You got like a Twitter handle, all that good stuff. Or, I, I'm sure. Yeah, I gotta, just more I, an email guy.
3: At, at Bill underscore Mck is my Twitter. I'm not. I'm not active on Twitter. But, you know, I think you they're. Gonna, I think they're going down after Trump is done being president. <laughs> personally, but uh, you know. But I'm. I, you know we. You know. Do more good. Haven, uh, both have uh, Facebook accounts and Instagram accounts, uh, and uh, do more good.org uh, is also another place you can reach me as well.
1: Okay, and we'll put we'll put links in the show notes there so yeah. people can get a hold of. You. We won't we won't keep them starving, but uh, yeah, thank you, Bill. That's just great, great conversation. Awesome, thanks. Also, uh, thank you to our podcast sponsor, our new podcast sponsor, River City Studios, where we are recording here today. Yay! They can help you record and produce awesome podcasts just like this, and do much more. Check them out at rivercitystudios.com. dot com.
2: Thank you to Do More Good and Bill McKendry for sponsoring this event. And thank you to our annual sponsors that support our programming year-round. For our gold sponsors, we have MiBiz Biz and Bizcom Media. For our silver sponsors, we have PageWorks, Bird & Bird Studio, and Red 66 Marketing. And for our broad sponsors, we have OFA and Grand Valley State University Conference and Event Planning.
1: Join us for our next podcast on visual marketing and photography. We'll speak with Adam Bird from Bird and Bird Studio, one of our silver sponsors, and he's been with us for years. On the impact your company's own images can make on all of your marketing materials, we'll also reveal some insider tidbits about how all images on the web are found by search engines, how search can tell when stock photos are being used, why that impacts your reach, and how original photography can lead to significant increased conversions
2: now then we'll follow up with a multimedia marketing panel discussion about the most popular multimedia channels including videos podcasts photography blogs and webinars to discover the best outlets to gain maximum engagement for your campaign
1: so much fun stuff that us marketers have yay connect with us we are online uh, podcast at amawestmichigan.org if you want a direct line into us please do engage ask us questions we want to hear from you how are things going how are we doing Twitter, Instagram, Facebook LinkedIn we're all there and of course we are online at
0: amawestmichigan.org I think
2: I'll just leave it at that that's it awesome
0: yay thanks guys thank you we're online at amawestmichigan.org and active on social media where you can connect with us on Facebook Instagram Twitter and LinkedIn The national hub for the American Marketing Association is AMA.org, where you can also find a chapter near you. The Marketers in Motion podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at AMAWestMichigan.org, where we encourage you not only to subscribe and share our podcast, but review, ask questions, get involved, and engage with us. Don't forget important links, content, and resources will be included in the show notes for this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Marketers in Motion podcast, powered by the West Michigan chapter of the American Marketing Association. What will you do with the information you learned today? Be inspired, be creative, be bold. Set your marketing in motion.